Welcome to Rumcomathon, the podcast. This is the surprise that we were going to release in January, and now it's April. Look, we recorded an episode, but then we couldn't release it because it was not very good. Exactly. So now we're here. We are re-recording our episode. It's, But you know what? You don't have to know that. It's fine. I'm Alex. I'm Kat. We should have said that earlier. It's fine. <laughs> you won't be able to tell us apart, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And it's our first episode. Well, anyway, so if you're not familiar, Romcomathon used to be a blog where we reviewed rom-coms. And it was, it was a good time, wouldn't you say? It was. We planned for it to last three years, but expected it to last three, three weeks. Yep, yep. And yeah, and we had a surprising number of readers. I mean, actually, I don't, I don't know any actual numbers, but like a surprising number of people would comment. I think we expected to have three readers, so we certainly had more than anticipated. Yeah, yeah. We have low expectations, which is good, I think, in the long run. This is getting sad. Okay. So for Romcomathon, we used to have rules about movies that we would watch. Like we were only looking at films released after 1990, 2000, 2000. 2000. I was thinking of, for some reason I was thinking about You've Got Mail. But we are actually throwing those rules all out the window. Freedom! Yep. And our new podcast, we're going to review however we are moved to. All of you who have written in wishing that we would do a podcast, your moment has come. There were three of you. Thanks. All of you who have wanted us to review movies that were not necessarily within the guidelines, your moment has really come. There were a lot more of you. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we're excited to watch the good, the bad, the dramatic. The very bad. Yeah. Since this is after all a romantic comedy situation. Yes. We might even review a non-rom-com or two. We'll see. Mm -hmm. But for our very first episode, um, we're excited to review a movie that we actually did on the blog, Crazy Rich Asians. We both loved this film when we saw it in theaters, and we just thought it'd be a great way to kick off our podcast. We can talk about how one of us cried and cried and cried. Yes. The other did not as much. No spoilers. <laughs> but Kat, um, since you just you watched this recently. Yes, I rewatched it. We went yeah. and saw it together twice in theaters. Yes. And then I rewatched it last night because I was like, do I remember this movie? As it turns out, I probably didn't need to because I remembered it pretty well. Also, it's not that complex a plot. But yep. here goes. Constance Wu is a typical Chinese American woman. She is an economics professor at NYU, and her boyfriend, Henry Golding, is like, hey girl, let's go back to my home of Singapore and visit my family and attend my best friend's wedding. And she's like, oh yeah, sure, that sounds nice. Singapore sounds pretty. And little does she know, he is super rich, and his family is super rich, and everyone he knows is super rich, and many of them are not nice. Would you say they are crazy rich, perhaps? I I might. I would also say they are crazy. She also is helped in her adventures by her friend Aquafina. She struggles with Henry Golding's mother, Michelle Yeoh, the incomparable Michelle Yeoh. Mm, The incomparable. And also Henry Golding's cousin, Gemma Chan, struggles with her husband's infidelity, which is real in the movie? What do you mean? Because in the book, it's fake. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, th- I think it, I mean, it's, unless we're not told otherwise. It's so unclear. Like, yeah. And that's pretty much what happens in this film. Mm, great summary. I loved it. Thank you. You're welcome. We like to compliment each other. It's a mutual admiration society. Yes. So now you've seen it three times. Yes. Okay. I've seen it seven times. 
Have um, you just been watching it nonstop on planes? Yes, I've been watching it nonstop on planes. What I like to do is when I'm feeling like mm, I'm going to take myself a nap on the plane, <laughs> I just like put on the movie because I'm like, I know all the dialogue by now, basically. And then I fall asleep. I also like to spy on little Dutch ladies through like the little gap between seats to watch them enjoying Constance Wu and it makes my heart full. Yes, it makes me very happy to see other people watching Crazy Rich Asians. This was true also in theaters. I was like, look at all these white people enjoying Crazy Rich Asians. I know. I feel like the best experience we had was the second time we went and we were seeing it in Hollywood and there were like these, this group of very gay men behind us and they were super into the situation. Lots of commentary. I loved it. Yes, they were very invested and... Now, I was like, can I spoil the movie? Yeah, I think, I mean, spoiler. We're assuming that people have seen this movie. Yeah. It's, well, I, I mean, did just share the entire plot. Yes. I mean, if you haven't, like, why haven't you go see it now? Can they still? Is it still in theaters? They can rent it. That's not, true. Not on Amazon Prime, but we discovered. For $20 on iTunes, you can buy it. <laughs> you two can own it. We were, we were salty about this yesterday. So, Kat, why do you love Crazy Rich Asians? Well, when we went to see it the first time... And the first Mandarin song started to play, I immediately started to cry, which was unexpected because I do cry all the time, but usually not like four seconds into a film. How, I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, how good of a barometer is this still, though? Like, you'd cry over a gum commercial. Well, that's rude. <laughs> that is rude of you to say. I have not watched a commercial in years. Okay, my apologies. <laughs> oh, maybe during the Olympics. Did you cry? No, I did not cry at any commercials during... Oh, maybe, though. They're very uplifting. It's a very uplifting time. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Um, I love the soundtrack. Yes, that's great music. Yeah. What would you say, like, specifically... I mean, I know having rewatched the movie yesterday, it's, like, fresh in your brain. Like, specifically, what I feel do you like think... I'm being interviewed. <laughs> well, I am asking you some questions. Okay. What, what, are your, what are some of your favorite musical moments? Um, I love when they are all dancing to... Is it Voyant Ni? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one, the song that comes up twice. Yes. And that they're, like, swing dancing to. The, the, like, the, the yes. like, jazzy. Yes, yes. I actually thought that was pretty cool because we are, so we're both Chinese-American. Hence the crying, okay? Just to be clear. Yeah, we grew up here. I mean, this movie means a lot to us in terms of rep. It was pretty incredible also to realize that China also has jazzy songs Fun from music yeah. ever. But like from like the twenties and things like that, like I just don't think of Chinese music being like traditionally like big band or anything like that. And that was super cool to notice. Um, that was something I thought of when I was like watching the film because to me it was like like the two didn't go together in almost, you know what I mean? I think that growing up here in our particular environment, we have a really limited experience with our culture. Our experience with Chinese music is like your mom singing opera in the living room <laughs> and like the handful of pop songs that we hear when we go to China. Yeah. And that's it. Well, so I like to say like I'm extremely familiar with like the pop ballads of like the late 80s and early 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's what my parents like to perform at karaoke. Um, and I'm familiar with like ancient Chinese traditional music. And that's like I have like nothing in between. Like I, I have like maybe two songs released after 1995 that I know, but like that's it. Also, even with this music, I actually have no idea whether it was written at the time that big band music was big here or if it's like an True. updated standard that, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, I have, I have no idea. I mean, the only song I really know a lot about um, is is the cover of Yellow that they do at the end, which is so beautiful. And it did make me extremely emotional. 
Yes, you go, John Chu. Yeah. Should we tell that story? Yeah, let's tell, tell the story. story. Okay, why, why me? Because I said so. Oh, okay. Well, um, John Chu, the director of the film, wanted to do a Mandarin cover of Yellow to put it in. And it has obviously a lot of significance. The title, you it know. It had the, never crossed my mind until I read this interview with him. Oh, yeah. And the, the title, things like that. And so he, basically they asked Coldplay, and Coldplay originally said no. And then he wrote them a letter explaining like uh, what it meant to him and you know why he wanted to put in the film and what the term yellow meant for Asian Americans. And... And... <laughs> Sorry, the lights just dimmed in our studio, and we, we're now sitting in the dark. <laughs> well, you know, that's fine. It's like old times. This is sleepover life. Okay, we'll continue. Um, and he, and a Coplay said, oh, yeah, you know, like, we'll, we'll let you cover it. And so he found a, I think she's a USC student. And, yes. Yeah, and she's... Catherine something? Yeah, and she's incredible. So we'll find the actual name. We'll put it in the credits. Let I love know. how many people involved in this movie wrote passionate letters about different things, like Constance Wu's passionate letter to be like, please push the schedule back. I wish to play this role. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like, she had Fresh Off the Boat commitments, mm-hmm. and she was like, look, I know... What's in the studio with us? Uh-oh. I'm scared. <laughs> There's a ghost? As I was saying, but she wrote to John Chu being like, look, I know that schedules are schedules, but this is what this role would mean to me. Like, uh, I think she said something about this is why she tries to support young Asian American girls so that they feel seen, basically. That's I'm incredible. paraphrasing, but it's on Wikipedia. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I love Constance Wu. I feel like, I mean, at this point, you're like, who else could have done it, you know? But she was amazing. Her face is perfect. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, favorite moments, favorite scenes, favorite lines. Knife gun. Gun knife. (laughs) (laughs) There's a scene where Aquafina is driving Constance Wu to the fancy party at Henry Golding's grandmother's, and they are accosted by some uh, illustrious guards. South Asian guard Indian? I think Indian. I think it's a special kind yeah in the book they're indian so i'm not really sure oh right yes we have both read the book so sometimes we're like did this happen in the book did this happen in the movie yeah unclear um but anyway and then they're by the window and they have bayonets it's amazing and aquafina is hilarious as she is in every moment i would like to know though what were they gonna do with said bayonets if there was a threat were they gonna pierce through the windshield of like her her fancy car well, I think that if an intruder is in a car, you're probably okay. But once the intruder steps out of the car... I mean, bad at central. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're, yes, you're fucked. of course. Oh, I wanted to say that I got really emotional last night when that scene started and you see them, like, cutting the dumpling skins. Yeah. Because that's very much a thing that happened in my household, like, literally every week growing up. But their method of doing it was like so much fancier than I've ever seen. Like really? Well, no, no, no. Like when they're using the spoons for the filling to like shape the filling and things like that. In oh, the dump- I don't know. In the I was just thinking scene. of like the thing where you roll out the dough really long and then you're turning it as you cut it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, more for more your family than my family. Yes. In southern China, we mostly eat buy rice. our own dumpling skins. Yeah, and we eat our rice products. Um, it's faster. It is faster. And like favorite other scenes, I really enjoy when Aquafina's mom, who is like gaudy, like new money in Singapore, and she's like, we were inspired, our house was inspired by Versailles and Donald Trump's bathroom. Um, what I just like enjoy the image of like these two things colliding into one's home. <laughs> it's hideous. 
but also amazing. Oh, that reminds me though, another one of my favorite things is, and I've said this to you numerous times, is when, so Constance Wu, after all the shenanigans go down and she's like, Henry Golding, I can't be with you anymore. You must marry into your own class or whatever. She returns to Aquafina's house and is uh, staying in her guest bedroom. And the guest bedroom is like the most Chinesey Asian thing I've ever seen in my life. Nothing matches. Um, there's like floral bedding everywhere. There's a treadmill in a corner with some clothes on it. I was like, oh, this is very, very true to every basement I've ever been in of a Chinese family. Pretty much. I mean, there was a treadmill in your basement? Yes, there was. Frequently covered by things. Yes, yes, I think there's like boxes of fruit on there. Yeah, and not used for running. No, certainly not. My father also had an exercise bike, but that was a different basement. Oh, okay. I think he had a lot of exercise equipment in the other basement that he... Maybe he was using it. Let's just say I didn't see it a lot. We had a rowing thing oh yeah i remember yeah and i mean it was barely used i don't know a little context for listeners we've known each other since we were seven yes so there will be a lot of confusing crosstalk like this (laughs) (laughs) um what else do you want to chat about i want to talk about the fact that henry golding is like oh constance Wu can totally handle these things like he makes like a joke but being like she teaches millennials for a living she does not because if they're like 29, 30-ish, they are millennials and her students are something else. Yeah. And I feel like the reason this mistake was made was because the writers of this book and movie are all in their mid-40s. Oh, are they? Yes. John Chu is the youngest of like the main crew and he's like 39. Oh. So none of them are millennials because I feel a millennial like writer or producer would surely have been like, but she is a millennial. Yes. For some reason, this quibble has really stuck with me. I'm sorry. (laughs) I literally did the research this morning to be like, let me just confirm the theory that like Adele Lim must be like mid 40s or like she would have caught this. Do you see what dessert they're eating in the first scene they're at? Constance Wu and Harry Golding like open the film by like eating. I think it's dessert in chocolate cake or something like that. Oh, I was really like, if it's for the seven times I've watched it, I've been like really keen to be like, what is this dessert? Do I want to eat it? These are my pressing concerns, obviously. My pressing concerns about dessert are in that scene where Constance Wu meets Michelle Yeoh for the first time, where she's like in the kitchen, like looking over and you see them cutting those rainbow squares. I wish for those rainbow squares. They probably don't taste very good, but they're so pretty. They look so beautiful. All the food in this movie looks incredible. I really appreciate that there's just like a hawker food porn scene yep and it's just like delicious we are the ideal audience for this situation delicious looking things i've never felt more seen than when um constance Wu is asked are you hungry and she's like uh always i am always hungry i always wish to eat all the things and when henry golding is like look i'm sorry you're having a horrible time with my horrible friends and relatives but we have to go make dumplings with my family and she's like and then can we eat them and he says yes we can meet as many as you want and then she agrees to go her pouty face is very cute it's very relatable um okay let us discuss the most incredible moment of the film which is when he reveals that goddamn ring on the plane and i cried (laughs) i cried too i was like i do not usually cry at like the sentimental moment of a romantic comedy like yeah. i'll cry at like like at saving face i cried inconsolably when her grandfather died her grandmother, grandmother when her grandmother died but i 
Oh, now I've spoiled saving taste. You've savings. God, I'm just spoiling everything everywhere. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but typically with us in particular, I feel like when we see like the speech, the proposal, we're like, oh no, badly written. Oh no, gross. No, no, stop talking. And in this one, like, I still it was feel. A, I feels. was like, I have some feelings. I think they did a really good job setting it on the plane in this like slightly funny, like very normal I read that they weren't situation. that that wasn't the original setting of um, where they were going to do the proposal like they were going to actually do it where he talks about like you know I wanted to take you to this place like they were actually going to go oh, there really? yeah but then they were like oh it doesn't feel quite right and then they tried the plane thing and that also was a lot better also because like yeah. Henry Golding is so fucking charming putting up people's luggage for them in the middle of his proposal I know oh, well maybe let's tell our audience what happens oh okay so basically what happens is um um, Michelle Yeoh terrorizes Constance Wu into running away from the wedding by being like, hey, I hired a private investigator. Your whole life you thought your father was dead, but JK, your mom's husband is alive and you were born out of wedlock. And this is why she like mopes her way back to Aquafina's house. Yes. She's like, well, I cannot be around you lovely people anymore. And really like, who could wow, Michelle Yeoh, wow, that's a power move. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway, so Henry Golding is like, no, come back. And she's like, I will not, sir. But then he's like, no, I want to marry you. I'll walk away from my family, blah, 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 blah. But she doesn't want him to do that because, I mean, family things. Yeah. So many family things. To but also, about. you don't ever want to be the reason that, like, someone isn't speaking to their parents anymore. Or, you know, Even if like- they're not Asian, but especially if they are. Exactly. So she turns him down and then she meets up with Michelle Yeoh just to be like, I want you to know that, like, I said no to this, and that, like, eventually when you get what you want, it's because of me. Boom, mic drop. She is incredible. It's amazing. But then later, she's like, I'm going back to New York, you know, like, peace out. And she, like, gets back on the plane, and previously they had flown over first class, and now she's in, like, you know, economy with her mom. And she's, like, making her way through the aisles, and then um, Henry Golding, like, bursts onto the plane um, and is like, wait, wait, wait. Like, he must have had to buy a ticket. Yeah, he must. Well, I mean, it's nothing to him. Economy class, like, what? <laughs> um, so he bursts onto the plane and is like, I gotta, like, talk to you, you know, blah, blah. And she thinks it's, like, more of the same. And she's like, no, don't. And he manages to get in front of her and then is like, I want to marry you and goes down on one knee and opens it up and there is the gorgeous emerald ring that Constance Wu had previously seen on Michelle Yeoh's hand. Symbolizing approval, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so, you know, she understands that Michelle Yeoh had to have given this ring to Henry Golding for him to be able to propose with it. And it's just incredible. It's so much. There's like so much gasping when the ring is revealed. Those gay men who were sitting behind us, they were into it. I was into it. And for those of us who are forever oppressed by our need for approval from our Asian parents, it's extra meaningful. (laughs) (sighs) Um, So, what are your um, best best scenes and best lines? I mean, you said the you've said a couple of good lines. Uh, Yeah, every second that Aquafina's on screen. Mm -hmm. Any best scenes that we haven't actually covered? Honestly, Michelle Yeoh is. Michelle Yeoh is incredible. Oh, this isn't a scene, but I was reminded... So I did some Googling this morning, as you do. And she... There was a whole thing where it was really important to her that... They basically changed a lot of stuff about Eleanor because it was really important to her that Eleanor not be, like, a cartoon villain. And Mm -hmm. that it be clear that her actions are more complicated and that they come out of love for her son and that she really wants what she thinks is best for him. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I knew that they used Michelle Yeoh's real emerald ring. Oh my God. Can we tell that story after I finish the story? Though? Yes. Yeah. So basically, like, she had some objections and they really worked on it so that Eleanor could have an arc. And I assume that Michelle Yeoh is a mother. I don't know, actually. I guess I don't know for sure, but it was like a whole article being like, and had they not done this, perhaps mothers everywhere would feel misunderstood. <laughs> In the book, Eleanor is definitely a bit more cartoony than she is. The book is like a shiny, like gossip tabloid. It's so fun to read, but it does mean I feel like that's some of the more emotional. Yes, Rachel literally like gets the news and faints. Yeah. (laughs) Which does not happen in this film. Yeah. So I think they they did a good job sort of uh, balancing like more real emotions with sort of the fun, gaudy spectacle. I think they humanize Michelle Yeoh's character a lot in that she, there's moments where you're like, whoa, this was harsh, but you kind of get, especially, so the backstory with the green ring is that her husband made it for her because her mother-in-law did not approve. Yeah, and didn't want to give her like a family ring. And her having been through that and also having seen Gemma Chan with her, you know, peasant husband go through that. (laughs) He was in the army. (laughs) Um, Is like, no, no, like, you're too different, you're American, like, you don't understand what this world is, and you will never measure up. And she genuinely believes that and believes that I think everyone in the mix will be unhappy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it really just stems that's, out of that. you know, like a valid, normal thing for a parent to feel. Yeah, for sure. But the story with Michelle Yeoh and the... Please em- tell this story. Her actual Emma Rowling is that that's really her ring. Like, she owns it, and she lent it to the movie because they had given her a prop ring, and she was like, what is this? Because they didn't have a huge budget. And she was like, uh... And they were like, we're sorry, like, you know, like, we, we have to use this, like, we don't have money. And she was like, I have a better ring. And she was like, I'll just use one of mine. <laughs> it was amazing. Power move. Power move. How's our... How's our... So we used to have a, um, a people of color count... Well, many, many, many people of color were in this movie. All people of color. Pretty much, basically. There were some white people. When? Um, oh, at the beginning when she's teaching at NYU. Yes, but then I think there were some in Singapore as well. I, I always spy that there's like a black extra at the wedding, and that makes my heart happy as well. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, and then, of course, the horrible racists in the prologue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the prologue, again, Michelle Yeoh, Power Move, uh, they, it's like, what is it, like 1989, something like that? I do not know. Anyway, it's in the past when Henry Golding is a child. Yeah. And they walk into this hotel out of the rain, and him and his mother and aunts and cousins, and the like white concierge or whatever is basically like who are these people and it's like these non-white people in my hotel you're dripping rain all over the floor get out correct and then this is apparently our snotty white person voice they're in london not france but you know what it's fine (laughs) anyway and michelle yo is like you know what i will just call my husband and he will buy the hotel and that is exactly what she does and then she's like "Mm, i own you now get a mop suck it rude concierge it's the best you're a racist (laughs) (laughs) to be fair most people were yes any any critiques that you have for the film um i wish ken jong wouldn't be so ken jong (laughs) I, too, wish that. I think that's, like, the only thing I don't like about the movie is that his character is so weird and pervy. Yes, I wish. You know what I love? I kind of love when he is, like, 
quasi making out with his wife and they fall on the couch. I was like, this is charming to me. What's not charming to me is his nonstop trying to like make Constance wear lingerie. Yeah, he's like sexually. That's like, gross. Just all these like weird sexual comments about her. It's so deeply uncomfortable. And no, no. I don't know why they felt like. Stick to harassing your wife. I don't know why they felt like in 20, 2018 they were like, mm, this is a thing that we should put in the film. And it's a shame because like I like and admire actual Ken Jeong. Yes, me too. You know, like he's done so many things and blah 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 and And I think he's funny and I just he is and sometimes you're like but why why must you take this low-hanging fruit approach sir the lowest the lowest branch you could be better than this you are better than this this is a branch they could have stepped over yes correct Anything Anything else? Any other critiques? I don't think I have any other critiques for the film. Those are the big things. I wouldn't change, like, most of the film. I mean, there are some changes they made from the book that I'm curious about to see how they're going to pay off in the sequels. Like, I think they did such a good job of adapting it. Yeah. Like, the book isn't very organized in some ways. Well, the book like, has, like... Well, it jumps perspectives a Yeah, lot. the book has, like, multiple main characters. In the movie, they really took the approach of, like, um, Constance Making Wu. it a movie. Yeah, Constance Wu and Henry Golding really being the protagonists, whereas in the book it's Henry Golding's character Gemma Chan's character and they're like gross cousin Eddie oh I'm right Eddie who is played by Randall's I forget his name I forget the actor's name but he is so funny yes he really is incredible (laughs) all of the little side characters are so funny I mean it's kind of sad but like I love that literally every Asian actor was like I must be in this film and so, like, the talent pool is so deep. Yeah. Like, there's all these, like, little appearances from people who are incredibly famous, either in the U.S. or in their country of origin. Yeah. Spectacular. I'm super excited to see how the Gemma Chan storyline gets played out in the next movie. Um, because in the book, her character is being fake cheated on by her husband. Yeah. Because he just, like, wants out of, like, the pressure and her family, her life, and everything like that. And then she starts, like, seeking comfort in her, like, childhood, like, her boyfriend. her ex, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I want to, like, know, like, you know, like, like how are they going to play that storyline out in the, in the sequel? They did such a good job of streamlining. Like, in the book, Michelle Yeoh would take, like, a whole journey to get the PI stuff. And obviously in a movie, it makes sense for it to just be, like, a drop. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Um, ratings? I don't know. 10 out of 10 Mahjong tiles. Yes, yes. I mean, we have to give it 10 out of 10 because otherwise its Asian mother would be very upset. Yeah, exactly. I, we used to rank all our films, but we are we don't care anymore. Who cares? 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Not everything will be getting 10 out of 10, just to be clear. 10 out of 10 dumplings. 10 out of 10 chickens. Oh, yeah. Bah, bah. Anything else you want to say before we head out, Kat? No. We're still um, sitting in the dark. Yeah, I think it might be a situation where it's one of those, like, lights that senses movement in the room. Yeah. I mean, just... I just, like, tried waving my arm, but it wasn't. I think I have to get up. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Ramcomathon. I hope you enjoyed our excited chatter. And, yeah, uh, if you guys have any questions, suggestions, um, or comments that you would like to send in, please find us on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr, um, Ramcomathon 2016. I believe if you just Google us, uh, we pop up, which is exciting. Thank you for reading and hopefully listening as well. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next time. 
Thank you to Hannah Oatman for composing our theme music and Alexandra Oatman for painting our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.